Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's Let's get get started. All right. Well, yes, um, we get to the big wedding scene, which is a lot of fun. Good luck, Ben. And uh, now the next part is the marriage pg-13 some material may be inappropriate for children under 13 that's cute why is he reading the book then (laughs) yeah the kid looked about 12 so yeah he's reading the book so now apparently as jay says we are on stage 15 patricio's home and it's a mirror image of blue moon as they walk past the glass to open the door and it's got patricio on the glass instead of blue moon and um We've said it in our book as well that he comes in, he turns the light switch on and, and the candles light up. <laughs> yeah, how do they do that? It's just little touches like that that initially when you would have first watched it, I don't think you would have picked that up. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. I welcome thee to my humble digs. And I love the cape he's wearing and the arm protectors. <laughs> I know, all of it. Yeah, everything he's wearing is great. Yeah. And, the vest. And, and why is Katarina so dirty? I know they've had to travel. From Padua yeah. to Verona by horse, I guess. Yeah, horseback. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess she's had quite a journey. That is, Bruce says, so sexy with your hair all messed up like that. <laughs> Little dirt on you. So sexy with your hair all messed up like that. Yeah. Oh, he loves that stuff. I just love for anyone who hasn't watched the commentary, anytime Bruce or Sybil see each other, they comment on how attractive the other person is or something about their features that are attractive. You just get such a sense from them how attracted they were to each other. Here, even years later, and Bruce does comment on how gorgeous Sybil looks um, here in the scene in particular with her hair messed up and a little dirt on her and all that. And yes, love the costuming, like you said. And he speaks of love. And speaking of love, the master bedroom. <laughs> and we get the biggest and, eye roll from Katerina. Yeah, she's like, yeah, right. Mm, I don't think so. Apparently, yeah. it's a cleaning woman's century off. I know that. <laughs> that There's webs funny. everywhere. Yes, it is quite dirty and dusty in there. The cleaning women's century off. I love it. It's really funny. Uh, yeah, and these two go into like a banter again. They make it look so easy, this back and forth, this really fast. And you and I's favorite line that we say to each other, Grace, I have a headache. <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm not going in the master bedroom. I'm sleeping in there. You know, she's not going to be with him. So I'll give the he- listeners an example. We were supposed to record this episode last week. And you know what? It's true. I actually had a really bad headache that day. And it so happened, I'm in the kitchen and I get a message from Shauna and she goes, Grace, I have a headache. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) so have I. I said, all right, let's record next week. I know. Yeah, it was funny. We both just did not feel well last Sunday. Yeah. So we got off for a week and here we are filming now. But uh, yeah, I fell asleep after that. I slept for about an hour in the afternoon, kind of, you know, got rid of it, but Another line, yeah, there are so many lines in Moonlighting in general, but three at least. There's one coming that I also say, but I have a headache is another one besides Mr. Father Padua goes out of hell. <laughs> I love that line. But yeah, just Grace. I know they're great actors and I know we're always amazed with them. But like in iambic pentameter, you're entering like this, this fast, so authentically reacting in the moment. And as I said before, they make it look so easy, but they did it so well, timely. 
And you know what else? If that was me, I would have been bursting out laughing every five seconds. Yeah. Can you imagine me trying to do ambic pentameter? Seriously? I would have been laughing. <laughs> well, just they learned it in like a week. Not even. No, not even because they said they were still writing the episode as they were filming. So people yes. didn't have a lot of time. Sometimes I have to wait for the pages, you know. So he says, all right, our courtship has been a tad brief, but now he wants them to start acting like husband and wife. And she says, I agree. And he goes, thou dust? I dust. And get the used to this. I have a headache. And if that be the master bedroom, then I shall sleep there. She points to the other room. Yeah. In there, au contraire. Be I not the mm-hmm. man and you the woman? Be this not the time that men are men and women are property? Oh, my God. Yeah. She's lost her property. mind now. Property, you call me. But try as to plow this acre and thy blade make it broken. <laughs> and then he looks down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ouch, I wouldn't be trying that. So he believes that he is the master of what is his own. And thou art my goods, my chattel, my stuff, my house, my toothbrush, and my golf shoes. My golf shoes. <laughs> Yeah, I love it how she goes, stuff your stuff, for this yeah. is one thing you never own. Yep, she is telling him. And this is where the day-night thing starts. We'll seeth about that. In starting this day, then already thou was seest wrong, for tis plain to any fool that it be night, not day. They're just contrary. He says, well, if the husband says it's so, that's what it is, you know. It is. Perhaps to a wife blinded by love, but mine eyes see I love that line. She's not blinded by love, is she? She's not in love. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, not yet. This is a line I use, too. Love or no, I be thy liege and thy lord that bringeth home the bacon and provided thee with a roof over thy thick skull. (laughs) (laughs) My thick skull, that's good. And for that, by the gods, if I say the moon be the sun, then to you, good wife, it shall be so. Yeah. Look, I could just go on forever here. I just love all this dialogue. It's so good. You know, know. especially when she says, good wife I am in name, only good husband. She goes, good husband. And thus it is the moon and tis the moon, no matter what thee said. Good wife I am in name, only good husband. And thus it is the moon and tis the moon, no matter what thee said. And this is where he does the Jackie Gleason honeymooners. Bang zoom. Yeah. Bang zoom. I hope they like these jokes on the moon, Kate, because that's where you're going. The sun. The moon. The sun. And this is where the overlapping dialogue starts. This is what Petruchio says. I will not stand for this. I will be the king in this my castle. King, king, king. And while I can have my way with you tonight, instead, I choose to teach you a lesson. Thus, on your honeymoon night, you will sleep in there without me until I say otherwise. Understandeth? Fine. So... He's actually trying to use reverse psychology on her, saying, no, you're not going to sleep with me tonight. You can sleep in that room and I'm going to sleep in that as if she's going to give it flying fig. He's acting like it's his idea because she's already said that. And then this is what Katerina says. Now, there's bits I can't quite catch. You will not stand for this? Some king. And then she says, no, even. She says, no vassal to command. What's a vassal? I know. I looked that up the other day. I was like, what is a vassal? Let me tell you. Let me... Pull it up again. A vassal is a person under the protection of a feudal lord to whom he has vowed homage, a feudal tenant. Mm, okay. So she's saying you have no subordinate to command because oh, I'm not okay. yours. Not even vassal command in this castle. Well, it is the moon I choose to see, and in there I choose to sleep it, and sleep it there I shall until something. I didn't quite catch what she said there. Or until you breatheth. Understandeth? Fine. I will not stand for this. You I will be the king in this my castle. King, king, king. 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 And not even a vassal to command in this castle. Instead, well, tis the moon I choose to see. And a man I choose to sleep in this castle. On your honeymoon night, you will sleep in there with me until I say otherwise. Understandeth? Fine. So they both slam the doors. Then Petruchio opens the door and says, He thinks there's something familiar about that. Just in case people didn't notice that it was supposed to be a mirror of blue moon. Jokes about our own show within the show. Had to get the bantering and slamming of doors and all of that stuff. Yeah, that's normally in the show. It was great. I mean, yeah, I'll keep repeating it. Don't know how they pulled that off. No, I love that scene. It's just boom, boom, boom. I just love it. Really good. Yeah, really good. Petruchio alone in his bedroom and he's not happy. 
because this turn of events be passing intolerable. And it's funny how he tries to pull his sleeves up. And they mentioned that in the commentary. Which material is in his sleeves? I know. Yeah. It's almost like that puffy shirt from Seinfeld. Yeah. That's what I've written here. I said, it reminds me of the puffy shirt episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> said, oh, no, that was real. I just couldn't figure out the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Funny. And he also mentions a song, I Am Woman by Helen Reddy. Well, he doesn't yeah. mention it. He says some of the lyrics to it. Yes. And teacher, a lesson I will. Am I not a man? Hear me roar. And number's too big to ignore. So that's the lyrics from the song. Take no prisoners. So he angrily walks across to Kate's room slash Maddie's office. <laughs> that's what I put. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he finds her asleep. The moonlighting music begins. I like his breathing here and his sadness. Fair Kate. Don't make us me do this. Thy husband tells thee the moon is the sun. And tell him tis the sun. And his chest hair. His dark chest hair. <laughs> so does Sybil. Another thing she points out. Look at that chest hair. <laughs> and Bruce is laughing at it, saying it's all grey now and everything. It's all grey now, baby. Look at all that chest hair. All grey now, baby. <laughs> Katerina was obviously still awake and says, tis the moon. And then we hear the famous Sterling Holloway narrating. And um, yeah. that was a great get to get him because they, at the time, they didn't yeah. even know if he was still alive or not, but they got him. And I think this was, from my research, this was the last thing he did. Oh, really? He was kind of in retirement, came out of retirement, it sounds like. Yeah, he's mainly known as being the voice of Winnie the Pooh, but he did a lot of things for Warner Brothers, uh, cartoon characters and so forth. And thus it went. But as a wild horse be broken through mix of love and persistence, so a shrew be tamed. Rather than beat her into submission, Petruchio did decide instead to kill her with kindness. Initial efforts were met with, well, a small bit of resistance. <laughs> a small bit of resistance. <laughs> but Petruchio was persistent, wasn't he? Even though she put barbed wire on her door. That's when the powerhouse music begins, used in many Warner cartoons from 1937. Yeah. It reminds me of our theme song, kind of. Mm. Except our theme song is Swing. He brings her flowers. He brings her chocolates. It kind of reminds me of um, Brida Tupperman when he starts protecting himself after he keeps getting hit and slapped. <laughs> he puts on like a catcher's mask for baseball when the girls were like slapping him because um, he was being inappropriate. Oh, yeah, that's right. But here he puts his mask on. <laughs> oh, my God. So he cuts the barbed wire, goes to give her the flowers, and she hits him on the head with them. And during this, Sterling Holloway is still narrating, but undaunted Petruchio did persist. And then the music stops. And then he says, and persist. So he comes back with a helmet and a box of chocolates and it's interesting, the box that he hands Katerina looks like a box of chocolates called Whitman's, Whitman's Chocolates. I'm not sure if you have them over there, but that's what the box looks like. It's sort of like um, got embroidery on it. Yeah, it is a particular brand of chocolate. She grabs it off him and throws it back at him and the music stops again. And it's funny in the commentary, they go, is that you, Sybil? And she goes, of course. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> I don't think so, and I don't think it's uh, Bruce in there half the time either. Well, he says it's his stand-in or something, Randy, in the armour. They give Sybil a lot of shit for not being there all the time, but I don't think Bruce is there all the time either. Yeah. So then he shows up with full body armour. She opens the door with a stick of dynamite and a lighter. In 1593, she happened to have a lighter and lights it. Yeah, and I love how he looks at the camera first and then he turns to the door. It's just so funny. And he walks off with the stick of dynamite and he blows up apparently and the camera shakes as if he's blown up. <laughs> Honestly, sure, I can't deal with this. It's just, you know, how do they think up this stuff? They do the stuff, I know. Big collaboration. Mm. A lot of funny lots of people. Anyway, Sterling Holloway continues and says, And finally, did Petruchio succeed? Slowly won over by his ways, Kate began her shift. From house of fire to housewife, 
And truth be known, she couldn't be blamed, for who could resist a loving husband such as Petruchio had become? Kate and Petruchio are now having dinner. I like watching them at home, you know, even though he's being a pig with his ribs. Mm. Bruce actually eating the ribs that day. Real ribs. I was eating his ribs. Yeah, I just like it. It's like a turning point for their relationship now, you know, and I like her little outfit and that she's made dinner for him. And yeah, they're just living together as husband and wife. We don't get to see that very often with these characters. So yeah, I think it's kind of cozy, this scene, them at home. You know, as he says, just a night at home, rhyming with the ball and chain. (laughs) She made dinner for him and she's cleaning up and I don't know. It's cute. You like it? I love this scene. It's so sweet. And it's a slow moving dialogue, but it's really sweet and loving. Yes. Uh, And she's just watching him eat and he throws them on the floor with his feet. And it's just typical macho man, you know. The meal was to your liking and then he burps. And that's what they say in the commentary. They laugh when he says, and now. Just thou enjoy thy local day gruel. Yeah. And I love how she says. Well, one does what one can to keep that girlish figure. Looks like she has cottage cheese and lettuce. Yeah, I couldn't tell what she had, but. Yeah, I love the tableware. It's like all silver. And I love the shape of the bottle and the goblets. Really good props in this episode. And his little piggish comments. What value be a woman with cellulite on her thighs? And I love her little comeback. It's said across the land by men worldly wise. What value be a woman with cellulite on her thighs? <laughs> men be displeased with fat legs and fat hips. Most of them would look better if you give them so she comes back to the table. He's reading the paper. And as I was watching this scene, I was wondering, did they have the newspaper back in 1593? So I just did a little bit of research, not much, but it does look like newspapers were circulated as early as 1566. So that timeline works out. So it looks like they did have papers back in 1593. So I thought that was interesting. Shauna and I decided to put our heads together once again to see what else we could do for our favourite TV show, Moonlighting, and all the Moonlighting fans. Then, ba-bing, we get this idea. Why not write a book? We began putting pen to paper and came up with Moonlighting, an episode guide. It's everything you want to know about each and every episode. We asked Moonlighting creator, Glenn Gordon Caron, to write the foreword, and of course, he replied, Do bears bear? Do bees bee? I think that was a yes. Just like our podcast, we go in chronological order and talk about each episode in detail. And we've also included some photos from our personal archives. We take a deep look into everything that made this show so unique, such as Agnes Rhymes and the full original music credits for each episode. Did Bruce Willis really slip an F-bomb past the censors? In which scenes are Sybil's sneakers visible? But wait, I've forgotten the most important thing. What's the total count on the door slams of the whole series? Well, you'll have to buy the book to find out. Go to tuckerdspress.com to purchase your book so that you can watch an episode, listen to the podcast, then read our review of the episode in the book. Phew, boy, have you got a lot of work to do. We will also place a link below in your show notes page of wherever you listen to your podcasts to purchase your book. And keep it on hand because this is going to be your go-to reference for moonlighting. Husband, dost thou truly believe that a happy marriage lies in a woman who remains pretty and in her place? Thou wast not be concerned as thou art both pretty and in thy place as we speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she said. Tis your notion of a compliment, I know. But, husband. <laughs> your notion of a compliment. And then he says something totally out of whack of this episode. Did you hear the news today? 40 teenagers arrested at the Bark concert. Husband! And he says, they said, if thou playest the second concerto backwards, thou hearest the voice of Satan. And then she does a loud whistle to get his attention. Yeah. Um, now, the thing here is that Johann Bach was not born until 1685 and he died in 1750. So they couldn't have gone to a if that's the Bach they're talking about. Um <laughs> Yeah, so this is set in 1593, so he's already talking about a Bach concert, so he's ahead of his time. That's so funny. And, again, commentary, Bruce comments on how gorgeous Sybil looks here. I swear it's just so funny how they just are so attracted to each other. Yeah, she does. She does look very sexy, especially with the the hat. I think he was referring to the hat as well, her headwear. Yeah, the shirt. Oh, yeah. It's very, like, fitting, you know. That's a sexy look right there. Honestly, Shauna, you could put a garbage bag on her and she'd look good. 
That's true. You're right. That's what I say about my youngest daughter. Mm. And that's when she asks him, how are they married? Are we married merrily? <laughs> he says, yay, verily, we are married merrily. Though at first warily, and unfortunately quite sterily. Nothing like a night at home, rhyming with the old ball and chain. <laughs> first warily, and unfortunately quite sterily. Well, that's about to change. It sure is. So now she's trying to explain to him that she wants to be respected, held in higher esteem, and he's in shock. He's like, what? Respected? (laughs) I love the way he reacts to that as well. Because she explains, I have changed as the result of your kindness. Now I would ask that you change as a result of mine. Change? (laughs) (laughs) But if that respect begins tonight. I shall share the same room as my mate. There's his uh, incentive. You know, start uh, respecting her and she'll sleep with you. And he sits upright in shock as she pours more wine into his cup. I love how she does that. (laughs) Quick, give him some more wine. And the scene ends with no dialogue at all. And they're looking into each other's eyes. I like how that ends. And in the commentary, (laughs) Bruce says... I got to tell you, though, if you think about it, not a whole lot's changed in the 16th century Padua. A man will lie. A man will just do whatever the heck it takes, really. Exactly. A man will do whatever the hell it takes to get laid. <laughs> okay, I respect you. <laughs> How can he show his respect in like one hour? Yeah, I think Katrina was ready to go to bed with him. But you oh, know what? Sure. He tamed her the right way, didn't he? With kindness. Kinda. If he had been yep. mean and nasty, that wouldn't have solved anything. They'd still oh. be back where they were. So, yeah, no, he went about it the right way. Absolutely. Yeah. And they were better for it. Yeah. We move into the master bedroom. And I love the sound of the rooster outside. <laughs> it just reminds me when we had a rooster and chickens, the chicken coop was right sort of like 10 metres away from my bedroom window. And every single morning, Shauna, 4.30 on the dot. I'm not joking. 4.30 on the dot, this rooster would start cackling. Oh, my God, go away. We since don't have chickens and the rooster anymore. Yeah. So now it's nice and quiet on the farm. <laughs> oh, it's quiet on the Western Front. Yes. So the camera pans down to them on the bed and Patricio looks up at the camera, smiling. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the cat that got the canary. Yeah. Kind of breaks the fourth wall and is like, mm, look at me. Look at me. Finally got her. Now, I don't think that's Sybil at first. I don't think, uh, you know, like in the commentary again, they're wondering if that is Sybil laying there next to Petruchio. Those are not my feet. Yes, they are. Are they? Yeah. Is that me? Stunt feet? No, it's our feet. That is not you. Yes, it is. Originally, in this first cut, I don't think it is. I think the hair is different if you compare it. But after this, you can see like the side of her face and then she's there. But This first cut, I don't think it's her, but I could be wrong. Look, when I look at it, I always do think it's her because it seems to be the same. There's a part of her hair that looks the same, but yeah, you're probably right. I'd say the first bit isn't her. If they don't show her face, she's not going to be in the scene. Yeah, the other one, you can see the the side view. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so now she's asking him. Myself, I lay awake all night happily and and thinking also wondering. Patrucchio, why me? What moved thee to woo me? Try and say that three times. Be to woo me. Yeah, I kind of like that line because she's saying like someone really made an effort to win her over. That's right. Instead of just coming to her for the dowry or to marry her off. It's like he saw something underneath all of that shrillness and shrewishness, as he says. Mm. Uh, I like that she's thinking like that. But I like his response. It's so beautiful. He says, mm-hmm. thy life, thy spirit, we are kindred souls, Kate, as mountains to wind. Each of us moves not through the other, blow perpetually. I love when he says, more to the point, it's all me and thee. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. It's quite beautiful. So he saw a lot of him in Kate. So it was never about taming her or the dowry. You really see like that they've connected here and they are like truly husband and wife, you know? Yeah. Can I just yeah. go back to her hair? And yeah. I've spoken to you about this before, Shauna, in the commentary. For some reason, I think Glenn asked Sybil about, oh, is that your hair? I think she was about to say, oh, I had a lot of wigs in the episode. But they cut For her ex- off. Yeah. 
I think she had like hair extensions. Part of it's her own hair, but then she had extensions. Why? Yeah. But why did they cut her yeah. off? All I'm looking at is Sybil Shepherd's hair. <laughs> what great I have, hair. Look I have a hair. lot of extra hair in this particular. Is that a show. wig or is that you? Well, that's my hair on top, but I have. And there's other parts of the commentary that's cut off too. There's a lot of silence. So I'm just wondering what they said. They were saying things they didn't want then added to the commentary, definitely. Mm. So, yep, I don't know. Maybe someone said something over what she said, you know what I mean? And they had to take it out. Yeah. Don't know. The other thing that like crosses my mind here is just, um, I mean, not that we don't see them in bed together other times, but um, just that they could be lying in bed here talking together. Or like when they actually do sleep together later in the series, they couldn't really do that much. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, they're never that happy when they're, you know, this is really the only time we see them like laying in bed, talking happily about being together. Because even when they were together, we didn't get that. No, we didn't get that happiness and lovey-dovey stuff. No, and they're like laying here kissing. And yeah, yeah. so here it's nice to watch them. If you want to, you can sit there and think they're Maddie and David and they're in bed together and they're talking lovingly to each other. Um, Yeah. Because she says, husband, for all thy boorishness and bluster, thou art a good man. And he says... And for all thy shrillness and shrewishness, thou art quite a remarkable woman. And that's when they kiss again. And then mm. the commentary, they go, are we kissing there? Are we really kissing there? Mm. Yeah, I think we always kiss. I think we do. I was listening to that last night because it's really funny. And like just even listening to Sybil and Bruce, that's why I love this commentary. Um, and I wish that we got one with just Sybil and Bruce talking to each other the entire time. But we didn't. Okay, that's fine. No. But um even the way that they talk to each other, it's almost like they fell into those old patterns because they kind of overlap, but they overlap just in the right way of talking. You know, it's like, are we kissing there? Yeah, I think we are. I know. I think we always kissed. I don't think we did. You know, it's like how they say that to each other. is like interesting. Yeah. It seemed to fall back into like a very comfortable, you're almost getting like a behind the scenes kind of glimpse again of them, like talking to each other. Cause obviously they, I think for part of it, they forgot they were being filmed and said a bunch of stuff that they couldn't eventually air. I picture that Sybil and Bruce are sitting next to each other there because you can hear them like whispering things to each other. You can hear them like talking under their breath to each other. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Or like um, when he says, I remember, and she's like, what? You know, it's, it's almost like they're right there next to each other. When, and he's like, no tinnerai. And then he's saying like, oh, you know, the one that we should do is the one where we were in the shower scene together. And he's like talking to her. You know what I mean? He's not yelling across the room. I picture like, Glenn and Jay behind them on like stools and Sybil and Bruce on the couch or something. And they're like watching, you know, Mm, Okay. but more to this point. So they wonder if they were kissing and Sybil says, I think we are. And I think they are. Mm. Um, Although we can't fully see, of course, because Moonlighting always has to hide the kisses somehow. Oh, for heaven's sake. Oh my gosh. It's funny. I I just think it's interesting that Bruce remembers that they always kissed. And Sybil says, I don't think we did. Mm. Who's right? Yeah. I think Sybil's right. Will we ever know, Shauna? I don't know if we'll ever really know, but I think, as we've talked about before, there are other times where it seems obvious that they're not kissing, Mm. that they're more like cheek to cheek, like in It's a Wonderful Job. And we haven't talked about that yet, but yeah. I feel like that in uh, The Straight Poop. Like they kiss each other at the beginning, but afterwards, as they're going along, I don't think they are. They've moved across. And take my wife. Same. The last time she like leans down to kiss him, it's like way on the side of his face. Mm. Yeah. They didn't always kiss, but I think they kissed a lot of the time. Yeah. They kissed enough. But yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to kiss every single take, I guess. Anyway, I love that little conversation between them, you know. Very interesting, Shauna. Now I wish we could see more, of course. Look, you know what? We're so blessed Uh to have that commentary, have what Uh we've got. But you're right. It would have been nice to have an episode with just just them two. Which episode would you have liked them to talk about? Maybe Witness, Witness for the Execution, because that's the first kiss and everything. Mm. And that would have been a good one. And Bruce wanted to talk about I See England. Um, yeah, he loves the shower scene, yep. Uh, I don't know, what would you want them to? I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. Um, one of the classic episodes, I suppose, My Fair David, would be good. I would have loved to have heard them talk about Dream Sequence. Yep. Okay. Um Maybe the sun also rises. That might have been a fun one for them to do together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one for them to do. You know what? Any of them. <laughs> I would have taken them doing any of them. You know, another one would have been good for them to talk about would have been Symphony. Yes. That was just jam-packed yeah. with so much stuff. 
Yep. That would have been nice for them to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let us continue. There is a yep. knock at the door. Yeah. Damn they're it. Inter- they're interrupted, Shauna. Don't like it. I shall dispatch them with all due haste. So he gets up wearing the blanket and as he walks over to the door, it nearly falls off him as he opens the door. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, and he pulls it back up. Yeah. He looks like he's really naked. Oh, my God. <laughs> it falls off. <laughs> oh, so funny. And it's the Western Union messenger. And now that is Hap Lawrence. Let's have okay. a look at Hap. As I said before, they've got him as the priest, but he wasn't the priest, no way. Looks like his career began in 1977. He was in all the usual suspects, TV shows, Heart to Heart, Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. I can see that. He's mainly known for um, Altered States in 1980. He did five episodes of Brothers-in-Law. He did an episode of NCIS and... More recently, he did 12 episodes of The Rich and the Ruthless, 2019 to 2021. He's still working. He's still got a few things in pre-production. But if anybody listening is a fan of the recent movie Oppenheimer, he played Lyndon Johnson. Wow. He's really still working. Anyway, that's Hap Lawrence, our Western Union messenger. Great. And you know what? He's got the perfect face for it, hasn't he? He's got that real distinctive face. Yes. (laughs) How's the beard? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And he has kind of the perfect delivery, like, we're all, like, waiting, the kind of grin that you kind of wanted to slap off his face, you know? We're all waiting, you know, to come back and see if she's tamed, Mm. you know? And I love his costume. The costume's really well done. Colour, the style, really creative. Good morrow, Petruchio. I come with news from Padua. Good morrow, Petruchio. I come with news from Padua. When I spit it out, post haste, I'm about to make news here. (laughs) I know, I love it. So he's there to let him know that Bianca and Lucentio's wedding is on Sunday and that they are invited. And Petruchio tries to get rid of him and says that they will travel back happily. But this messenger keeps opening the door. Petruchio's trying to shut it. Truth be told, most are aware. They'll win thy money if Kate be not only still married, but tamed by Bianca's wedding day. More will attend for those results than for the wedding itself. (laughs) (laughs) I know, exactly. See, it's like a test. They only want to come to the wedding to see Kate tamed, but they're not necessarily coming for the wedding. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So in the middle of all this, Petruchio is doing an eye roll. And Katerina is listening through the door. She's just realised the deal Mm -hmm. that Petruchio made with her father. As Mm -hmm. if she didn't know. Yep. He was always sending men up there. Yeah, she knew about the dowry and all that. Yeah. I actually checked how far it is from Padua to Verona. And I've put here, which, by the way, is one hour and five minutes by car. Okay. So I'd say days by horse. You can't look it up on Google how long it will take by horse. So... Imagine we're, though, yeah. We're assuming it might have taken a couple of days to get back to Padua for the wedding. Yeah. Anyway, the big finish. <laughs> and yes, and we have Sterling Holloway narrating again. And thus, a week later, their way to Bianca's wedding did Petruchio and Katrina make. It's a lovely scene. The townspeople come up to Petruchio and Katerina and very curious as to their relationship. And they both look beautiful on their horses as they come into town. Very regal. Yeah, they've made their way from Verona to Padua. And you know what else? She looks pretty fresh for days on the land. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Maybe they came in a day early and stayed somewhere. Maybe they weren't just riding in that morning. Forsooth, husband, why thinkest they stare at us so? They'd be merely unaccustomed to seeing a couple so happily mated. We are happily mated, are we not? Good husband. Needst thou even ask that question? So then he asks her, nay, nay, but he says, but now that we are in front of all of the town, if someone were to ask... Gladly, but I express my feelings to all. So he's making sure that she's going to express to everybody that they are now happily married. Yes. Yeah, he wants to make sure, yeah. And her father comes up. And the Zounds What Mounds girl is right over his shoulder. and She sure is. Yep. And they're all wondering, is she tamed? Is she tamed? He comes up to Lucentio and explains his dilemma. 
And this is when he says, knoweth and knoweth, and then yes. Lucentio says, knoweth. It's plain, the whole town knoweth of the deal twixt Petruchio and myself, and hath come to see if he'll collect his due. And if the whole town knoweth, then tis possible that Kate knoweth. And if Kate knoweth, and knoweth that the whole town knoweth, and knoweth that we knoweth that she knoweth, knows what that means? Knoweth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knoweth. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so he's worried that the whole town knows. That means that Kate will know, and if Kate knows, the whole town knows, and then you know what that means? <laughs> I love it. Well, basically, either she be tamed but will still learn of this, or she be not tamed and it doesn't matter. Either way, tis no place for me. So he starts to run off. He says to Lucencio, have a nice honeymoon, and he runs off. And that's when Katerina calls out. Father? And she has such a different demeanor now, right? Kissing his cheeks and he's flinching, you know, because he's used to her being so fiery and everything. But she's so much softer now. It's such a beautiful scene. I know. And I think the body double from behind when the camera's behind her, her hair's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Bruce does look back. Um, It is Bruce. It's a lovely scene when she goes up to her father and and she says, How truly good it is to see thee, father. And she gives him the old Italian double kiss (laughs) on Uh both sides. Yeah. And he says, how truly good it is to see thee, daughter. And they kiss again. And everybody's looking. Yeah. They wonder what's going on. And uh, that's when Patricio says, Go, away with us all. We were waiting to attend. And then you see the look between Petruchio and his father-in-law. You're right. Yeah, you know about their deal? Mm-hmm. He's making mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, they're all watching very closely. But Baptista is still not convinced. And then the scene ends with the wedding march. And they do a little transition with the blue sky and come down. And this is when the Carpenter song is supposed to be playing for anyone uh, who's watching Hulu. Why do birds suddenly appear? (laughs) Uh, Supposed to be Close to You by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. I always think of it as a Carpenter song. But they've changed that in Hulu to some ambient music. Well, that's just rude. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And Sybil says in the commentary that that was a theme song of the Heartbreak Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't totally get the music choice here, though, close to you. It's playing symphony in the, um, in the phone booth. I get it there, you know, because they're literally close to you. <laughs> um, but is it the best music choice for this, close to you? Because usually the music kind of comments on the scene as well. To me, it doesn't for a, a wedding dance totally match as like the perfect song for this scene, you know? Well, I just took it as just a song that was playing at the wedding that the band was playing. I didn't take it as a specific wedding dance or anything, you know? I know, but usually there's a reason, you know, in Moonlighting, it's like it's the music is also commenting on something in the scene, you know, Mm -hmm. more often than not. So yeah, I just didn't totally get it as uh, the perfect choice for this scene. Well, I'm happy with it because... Agnes and Bert are dancing and they're close to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the story I'm sticking to. And they're close to each other now. Yes, it's cute that they're dancing. They look so tiny. Yeah, and I love how the people are swaying in the windows. <laughs> <laughs> and then Patricio goes, I like this band to play at the oldies. At the oldies, yeah. And it's lovely how Katerina and Bianca are standing there and Kate looks back at Petruchio lovingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when in the commentary Sybil sits. Daisy Miller. Mm-hmm. That look was a Daisy Miller look. Yeah, it is. It is that same look. She has a Daisy Miller. Yeah. Oh, she's right. And then we see Baptista giving financial advice to Lucentio. One thing more, never a borrower nor a lender be. Unless, of course, thou can compound interest annually at 8%. <laughs> and and Colmini <laughs> appears behind them and he's laughing at the joke. Uh-huh. All right, Uh so with Colmini, he goes back to 1973 and we have another Six Degrees of Bruce Willis because if you're a Die Hard fan, he was in Die Hard 2. He was the pilot of the plane, of the Windsor plane, the one that crashed, unfortunately, and he was in Remington Steel. Mm -hmm. Um, And also he was in Dick Tracy, the movie, you know, with um, Warren Beatty in 1990 and Mm -hmm. other actors that were in Moonlighting that were in Dick Tracy uh, Paul Sorvino, he was Lips Manless. And Edo Ross from Brother Can You Spare a Blonde, he was Itchy. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's cool. That's um, cool. Played Dauma in Under Siege. 
He was in Last of the Mohicans and Star Trek The Next Generation. So a lot of moonlighting um, actors were in Star Trek. He was in Deep Space Nine as well. But he's definitely a well-accomplished actor. Been in many, 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 many things. But yeah, I just love like... how there's six degrees of Bruce Willis with him. Oh, yeah. And that's Cole Meany, who Kenny McMillan called Colm in that scene. I love that. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even in the 16th century, a typical wedding, even to this day, men in one corner and women in another. Yep, I know. And I love this dialogue between the men. And the father is saying again, I'll pay out when I am sure that she's been tamed. And he's assuring her again that she has been tamed, that she's been declawed. Uh, (laughs) This is another quote I always say that sticks with me is when Petruchio is giving advice to Lucentio about the wedding night. (laughs) Your manly instincts will kick in when the need doth arise. And, you know, then saying like, just be the Lord of your house and she'll fall under your command or whatever. And your duties or whatever. And he's like, really? Is that truly how it be at your house? And I love Bruce. Here he goes. If I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> so, Lucentio, art thou ready to rule thy roost tonight? Don't be worried about thy honeymoon night, fear it not, friend. For thy manly instinct shall kick in when need doth arise. <laughs> to be certain, man, be lord of his house. And being such... He'd only command that his needs be met. Tis her duty to please thee. Truly? And that be how it worketh with thee? My man, if I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> That's another thing that I like to say to myself. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Oh, <laughs> I love that line. And right after it, he does the Bruce laugh. <laughs> yeah. And Bruce looks very like cheeky there. Throws his wrist and is kind of like, if I'm lying, I'm dying. And he's totally lying, which is the funniest part. Because um, that's not how things are at his house at all. Yeah. He's like, tis her duty to please thee. I don't think so. (laughs) Unfortunately, O'Neill comes along. Oh, yeah. And whispers into Baptista's ears, what? Be thou certain? So he's Mm. been told that Kate only pretended to be tamed and that she's talking about equality and that marriage is 50-50. And then they all exclaim. (laughs) 50-50. Petruchio's response. Quite a little kidder. Yeah, she'd be quite a little kidder. So anyway, Baptista has a question. Who has in fact been tamed? Kate or the So now he wants Petruchio to prove it by calling her out forthwith and showing us thy manly command. Mm. And then Petruchio goes, I, I, I don't want to interrupt your girl talk. <laughs> oh my god, it's great. All of this dialogue with him is how he's playing this on both sides is great. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, now I've got to prove it. So he screams out. Thou needest proof of the taming of Kate, then proof it shall be. Fetch me my wife. Mm -hmm. And I love the loud, sudden sound in the soundtrack too when that happens. (laughs) Yes. She appears through the crowd with her sister. Paula's husband? Aye, and with a purpose. And she's acting all sweet. You have but to ask, dear husband, and I'll do my best to please thee. So that's where he starts his spiel now. He's got to prove to the town that she has mm-hmm. indeed been tamed. For thy husband is thy lord, mm-hmm. thy life, thy keeper. And as thou art bound to serve and obey, thou art bound to agree whatever he sayest be true above all else. I don't know how they said mm-hmm. this stuff. Oh, my God. I know. And yeah, with that crowd, what? 
It's like Bruce is up on the ledge of that fountain walking and you've got all these like cameras and people, you know, yeah. crowds around. Yeah. And you know what else I thought? Los Angeles is warm and they've got oh, all I know. these heavy costumes on. And Sybil always yep. says, I've heard her say it a million times, that that costume of hers weighed 35 pounds. Yep. So I would no. imagine it would have been quite warm, especially how they had to change the lining of all the dresses because they were itchy for her. Oh, I know. Now they had an extra lining. Uh, he is, um, he's asking her to look again at the sun and see if it's the moon. Tis the moon that shines so bright. And as my wife, wouldst thou not agree? Tis indeed. I love it here where he says tis indeed and then the soundtrack goes da da dun I say, tis the moon that shines so bright. And as my wife, wouldst thou not agree? Tis indeed. <laughs> yep. And her eyes move with the music. It is so good. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. It's a moment of truth here. What's she going to say? But just as worried now because he says to Lucencio. That's it. She's going to blow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They think this is it. Oh, this is this. Everyone's been waiting for this is a moment of truth right here. Yeah, so Kate walks past Petruchio and looks up. Husband, I believe it thou art mistaken, and if thou takest another look, I'm quite sure the error will be clear. Tis the sun and not the moon that shines so bright. Now he's shocked. He's embarrassed. In front of all the townspeople, he's looking around and everybody's mm -hmm. mumbling. Mm -hmm. The sun, you say? And Kate crosses her arms defiantly. She's not changing her mind, and she's really sticking to her guns here. And he jumps yeah. off the fountain and says, If that be your final answer, I have but one choice. To look again. Why, as I live and breathe, t'was indeed a mistake. My wife hath called it. Tis the sun, and not the moon at all. And everybody goes, Yep. And the dialogue is just lovely. And he's just realized that he was wrong and he learned it from a woman, one with much to teach. Um, yeah. And they were witness to a revelation. So they're beautiful words he says to her and to the townspeople. But perhaps the time has come for offense. I have struck a deal with thy father. That I might receive thy dowry if and only if I tame thee. I now renounce this deal. Wow. And Katerina is shocked, isn't she? I love her reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which for no other reward but for thy affection and thy company for as long as thee shall live. I love how they look at each other. She's so happy with his change. And if truth be told, a mistake was made by all, by the town, by her family, and by me. And the best line of the episode, Shauna. For Kate never needed to be tamed. She merely needed to be loved. Exactly. What a beautiful yep. line. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, this is probably the most satisfying ending that we ever get. You know, it's exactly what you'd want to see. Kiss me, Petruchio, instead of kiss me, Kate. How hard does she slam her head onto his mouth? I <laughs> like, know. She really plants one on him, doesn't she? Yes. How they hold you up? Oh, that wasn't you, and, and that wasn't him. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Really? I'm kidding. I have no idea. That's you guys. That long? Mm. Must have been a good kiss. But it is not Sybil. At some point, the hair changes. Did you yeah, know that? The, the back of the hair changes in the next yeah. cut when the camera moves away from the town. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now there's hair hanging down where hers was like more in, in a bun. And uh, of course, they have to have one last little one thing, which is we hate <laughs> iambic pentameter. <laughs> And she slams her head back on his. <laughs> God. Yeah. Sterling Holloway does his final narration and says, Kiss me, Petruchio. So it was. We end it here. This chapter of Petruchio and Kate. From here, they lived life long and full. The world, their only parameter. And as they went, twas with a single complaint. We, we hate, hate iambic pentameter. Yeah. So we're back where we started in the town square and the image converts back to the image in the book. And we're back yes. to the child reading his Taming of the Shrew. May I say, though, he read it quite quickly. 
Yeah, he did. Just one hour. So he only took an hour to read the whole book. (laughs) Yeah, the whole story. He's ready for his test because he read the book. Yeah. So he rushes down the stairs, but unfortunately he missed it. Is Moonlighting still on? No, it just ended. Oh, and he's all upset. That's okay, the mother says. Wasn't very good tonight anyway. (laughs) How rude. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, did you notice something here, Shauna? I did. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, and I always wondered what episode they were showing. And because I think this is what you're talking about as well. Of one line in the credits, we know exactly what episode that they were talking about, which is yours very deadly. Correct. So when she goes to turn the television off, where it says Color by Deluxe, underneath mm-hmm. that it says special thanks to the Los Angeles Post Office. Yes. So the credits they used for that cut was from yours very deadly, which was very okay. interesting. Yeah, that is funny. And if it was any other credit that they used, we probably wouldn't know what episode it was unless we could match up something else there, you know? Mm. Uh, and of course I went and looked at the credits for viewers very deadly and it's exactly that. So that's really funny. And that's something I just noticed watching it this time. And I always have thought what episode were they playing? Was this a lost episode that we didn't know about? It was just another, like in another time and space, another episode that we never saw or, or what, but nope, it was uh, now we know exactly what episode they were watching. That's a good episode. So yeah, they just grabbed a final credit and thought, oh yeah, we'll just throw that in. But it says mm-hmm. special thanks to Los Angeles Post Office. <laughs> it's like, yeah. how do you thank the Los Angeles Post Office for Atomic Shakespeare? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh dear, I only saw that while I was reviewing this. I've never noticed that before. That's great. That answered a big question for me. Yes, mm-hmm. I always wondered what was she watching. What was the episode that was airing that night? I always wondered that. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a, that's that's doing my head in. I didn't think of yeah. that. That's what I'm saying. Like, what was the episode she was watching? Are we supposed to think this was an episode that was never aired for us? But now we see that, I guess she was watching Yours Very Deadly. Yeah. Mm, very interesting. Well, yeah. she can't say that wasn't a good episode. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So another great episode of Epic Proportions. Yeah, it's um, when you watch this episode, you are basically viewing a movie. You know, it's like a Cecil B. DeMille epic, like watching Cleopatra or Spartacus, you know. (laughs) Another episode ahead of its time. um, The organization that must have gone into this was, you know, of titanic proportions. The schedule of filming, the extras, the costumes, having two main filming units. Crazy. Mm. Yeah. And. One of the episodes of the series, aside from Big Man, I would say that probably actually Atomic is probably number one of the ones that people remember, ask about, talk about, refer to. It's just such a memorable episode that stands out, you know, talking about our book, Moonlighting, an episode guide. It's one of the only episodes that people have written us specifically asking if we covered Atomic. So it's just an episode that people are very interested in. Yes, I think a lot of the listeners and Moonlighting fans We'll definitely be looking forward to our review of Atomic because it is one of the favourites now. I guess it wasn't then. I don't think it was appreciated at the time, but with time over the years, mm. we appreciate it more because we know what went into it. Mm. So, yes. Um, I forgot to say that in the commentary, Jay did say that as he was watching it, it looked so easy, but it took a lot to get everyone organised, not to mention the extras costumes and get them dressed and all that sort of thing. They had four editors working around the clock to edit this because they wrapped on Friday the 21st and it aired on the 25th. So they only had four days. (laughs) And back then they used the movie Olas where the film was actually cut manually. Yeah. And so he says that Glenn would go in and make some comments and go out to the next person, make some comments there, and Jay would do the same thing. That was another big part of the organization, the editing, in four days to get it aired by the 25th. I know. So it wouldn't have been on Thanksgiving, but they wanted it for the week of Thanksgiving. The air date uh, for Shakespeare was November 25th, two days before Thanksgiving. Jay always says... You know, if we hadn't have had the success we had in, in season two with the, the 16 Emmy nominations and so forth, they would have never let us do this show probably. 
so expensive and elaborate. Mm -hmm. And dollar-wise, what it cost to produce this episode has always been kept under wraps. There's no evidence anywhere of how much the episode cost, but they do say it was the most expensive episode of its time. So I want to get to the bottom of that eventually. Also, Glenn did say it was the lowest rated episode, and even when they had a rerun, it was still low rated. Yes. I just remember at the time tuning in and going, what? No, 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 no. I didn't want to see that. (laughs) But yes, I appreciate it now, you know, for all the things that we just talked about during the episode, but overall, the witty, fun, fast dialogue, all the double entendres, the hints, you know, the inside jokes about the show within the show, seeing them as a couple, actually married, actually in bed, actually happy together, actually ending up happy together. It's the only time we really get that in the show. And yeah, just the great, you know, just all the talent of everyone from the writers to the actors and the costume designers and everybody. It is truly something that we appreciate now, a much appreciated episode now and so unique. And I just love, you know, when you look at the body of work of Moonlighting, it's like to have the dream sequence in the 1940s and to have this Shakespeare, you know, it just wasn't always like a regular episode. And that's just such the cool thing about Moonlighting. Yeah. I mean, even for Glenn to think this up, you know what, I want to do a Shakespeare show in iambic pentameter, you know, just to think this stuff up. And not only that, Jeff Reno and Ron Osborne did a great job with the script. Mm-hmm. And Glenn often says that he hardly touched it. He only fiddled with the ending. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, he said the script was great. And that goes to the talent of Jeff and Ron to write yeah. it in such a way and bring in future things into it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's just so many things hidden there's- in there. There's just so many aspects to this episode, so many things. And you'll read about it in our book if you go to this episode. It's jam-packed of information behind the scenes and um, goofs and things to look out for and some fun facts about the episode and personal photos from Shauna's personal archive. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Another great episode. Yes. And yeah, like you were saying in the book, much more to read about. So get your copy of the episode guide, Moonlighting an Episode Guide, Amazon.com or TuckerDSPress.com. Correct. Oh, and that's the other thing I want to say. I love how Sybil said in the commentary. I never imagined I would ever be able to do Shakespeare. But after I did this, I felt as if I could. Then I realized I didn't need to. (laughs) Well said. This is like Shakespeare light. (laughs) Yeah, she kind of proved something to herself, right? But it was hard. And the the dream sequence was also hard. And yeah, they didn't choose, you know, to take on easy tasks. That's that's for damn sure. So we had five outfit changes by Sybil. Yes. And we had 10 door slams. Wow. Now, that is one of the high. The highest is My Fair David, obviously, but we haven't had a high door slam stat in an episode for a while, Shauna. Yeah, is there? No, we had 12 in um, Symphony and Knocked Flat. Okay. And 12 in Sleep Talking Guy as well. Wow. But we haven't had one for a while. So, yeah, 10 door slams. Shauna, is this in your top 10? Hmm, gosh, no, no, um, it's not my top 10. Although, like I said, it's it's one that I watch again and again, probably more than the others at this point, for some reason, especially with the commentary. I do love it. So but no, it's not. How about you, Grace? Is it in your top 10? It is absolutely in my top 10. Oh, right. Yes, definitely in my top 10. Just for sheer production value, visuals, talent. Mm hmm. Fabulous. Definitely in my top 10. Now, real quick, in the commentary as well, Glenn, I believe, says, someone should do a count of the door slams and them being kicked open. And Somebody should do a count of how many doors were slammed in the show. Slammed, slammed, you know, and then kicked open and, you know. Well, we've done it, Glenn, okay? It's in the book. <laughs> Read the book. You'll see the total. <laughs> yeah. Someone should do a count on that. I'm like, okay, done. It's yeah. done. We had no elevator and we had no Agnes Rhymes. So the total stats accumulated up until Atomic Shakespeare is 18 feet out of the elevator, 10 singing Bruce, 18 Agnes Rhymes, and 182 outfit changes. Mm. Take it away, Petruchio. Stones! What mounds? 
the total door slam so far is 134. Wow. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! I always tell Shauna she doesn't sound excited when I say the amount of door slams. She's more excited about the outfit changes. Just putting that out there. It's now time for Moonlight Mail. We got an email from Marina. The subject is Big Man Part 3. All right, you remember Big Man was four parts because that was another big episode that we covered. Yes. Um, Marina says, hi, Sean and Grace. Thank you for keeping Moonlighting alive and well. I enjoy your podcast and knowing that there are others like me who have obsessed over the show for decades. I've been re-watching the show on Hulu every night with my husband, and I'm just so happy that it's every bit as good or better than I remembered it. I wanted to share my interpretation of David's comments about his past with Tess in response to Shauna's analysis of whether or not she was really important to him and why their romantic encounter was so special or not. In my opinion, David is one of those people that can be flirtatious and sexual with many women, but can only truly fall in love with some once he knows and trusts them as a friend. I believe he can only love someone when he trusts them as family. Hence all of the comments he makes about Maddie being his quote unquote sis or the beautiful monologue in the doorway when he says he will tell the hotel clerk, Maddie is his sister. She's his mother. He's her father. (laughs) He feels a familial like affection as well as an attraction from Maddie. I see myself and David in many ways, but especially this way that he can only fall in love with someone he's known for years. I think since he had known Tess all his life as his friend's sister, when the two of them finally made love, he felt so safe because he felt he could trust her and really fall for her. When he was talking to God and praying she wouldn't get pregnant, it wasn't because he didn't love her. It was just that he was so afraid of turning into one of those guys, quote unquote, who has to work at a gas station. I think if Tess hadn't gotten pregnant, he would still have fallen for her and been seriously involved with her until she discovered more about who she was and who she wanted to be with. As a bisexual woman myself, I don't assume Tess is gay, just that she was young and not in love or committed to David and slept with someone else who was a woman. And as a lifelong David defender, it breaks my heart all the more that for whatever reason, Tess didn't love him the way he deserved to be loved. As for him saying that Tess wasn't important, let's not forget that that is exactly what he says when Mark Harmon answers the door in Blonde on Blonde and offers to go wake Maddie up so David can talk to her. I think when David is really in care and bearing his soul, then gets hurt deeply, he always says it's not that important. Okay, thanks for reading. I appreciate you both. Sincerely, Marina. Team David, haha. All right. And then um, Marina responded again after listening to the fourth part of Big Man. She says, may I send a PS? I really enjoyed your four-part review of Big Man on Mulberry Street, including the fan emails you read out at the end. I am inspired to share a little of my personal history with Moonlighting. It is unquestionably my favorite show of all time. I started watching in middle school when it was on in after-school reruns. I meticulously recorded the episodes on my VCR in order, then decorated the boxes with um, pictures of Maddie and David from magazines and TV guide. In eighth grade, we were studying Taming of the Shrew, and I convinced my English teacher to let me bring in Atomic Shakespeare to watch with the class. It was one of those standout moments for me. In high school, I named my two pet goldfish, Katerina and Petruchio. When I was 30 years old, I had the opportunity to play Kate on stage in regional theater in Western Massachusetts. It was my favorite stage role, and I am proud to say that the director loved my suggestion that we steal the staging for Kate Petruchio Kiss um, from the end of the Atomic Shakespeare episode of Moonlighting, and I got to dip Petruchio on stage. You'd better believe I was imagining David just a little bit. (laughs) She put a little wink. I have a six-year-old daughter now, and I'm sure it's no surprise that her name is Madeline. And of course, we call her Maddie. Oh, that's cute. Thank you for your delightful discussion of my favorite show. I can't wait for your atomic review next week. Best wishes, Marina. Very cool. Yeah, thank you, Marina. Wow. That was lovely and detailed. And mm-hmm. I love the um, connection to Taming of the Shrew and Petruchio and Kate. And you've called your daughter Maddie. That's so good. Love it. And, and she played Kate as well. 
I know. And, and restaged at the end to like match moonlighting and yeah, Marina. Yes. And we can all relate to a lot of that taping the episodes and decorating the boxes and yeah, the ways that we had to save the show back in the day, but yes, you are as invested as we all are. And thank you so much for your email. Yes. Thank you, Marina, for writing such a detailed email. I love it. All right. So what's our next episode? <laughs> Let me look in our book. <laughs> I used to look. Quick, look in the book. I, I don't know. <laughs> the next episode is a Christmas episode, the second of the two Christmas episodes, season three, episode eight. It's a wonderful job. Another episode which is a reference to a great movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And this episode yeah. aired on the 16th of December, 1986, just in time for Christmas. It sure did. I wish we could have talked about it closer to Christmas, but uh, nonetheless. I actually scheduled the episodes out so that It's a Wonderful Job would be released at Christmas, but it didn't yeah. work out that way. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> so, yeah. We're yeah, kind of distracted, you know, like writing a book and um, <laughs> having holidays and... Yeah, it's okay. Just uh, stretches it out a little bit longer and we'll be talking about the podcast for a few more years to come. It's fine with me. All right. We'll see you guys next week for It's a Wonderful Job. Bye-bye. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.